0: where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt.
1: I'm the slimy substance that runs out of the
2: south end of a chicken. And I'm good old Shanar.
0: Welcome to episode 221, In Your House 10, Mind, mind
2: games. games. Nicely done.
1: And I can't take it anymore. Head games, <laughs> so that's, uh, not just head games, not mind games. Foreigner, right?
0: Yeah, I yeah. think so. Sounds yeah.
1: right. We're the best of the arena rock bands oh. take that Journey.
2: I saw Foreigner and Journey together one time. <laughs> it, it makes so much sense. A great fucking show. Night Ranger open. Foreigner was the middle, and then Journey was the the headliner.
1: Oh yeah, that's probably how it goes for Spotify listens, I'd imagine. Probably. <laughs>
2: yeah. Whatever that dude's name is that took over for Steve Perry, he's fucking awesome though. Oh yeah,
1: I'm sure. I just never. I respect your Journey. I just none of the songs ever clicked to me, but Foreigner's Greatest Tits got ten ten bangers in a row.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, at the concert, I I can still close my eyes and hear. I want to know what love is.
0: <laughs> it's a great show. So this was the tenth edition of In Your House, produced by WWF. It would take place on September twenty second, nineteen ninety six, from the Core State Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. W. with an attendance right. of thirteen thousand people. Philly showing up big, just a, just a few more people than what we usually <laughs> see in Philly. Yeah, just, just a, a few. F- just a handful.
2: Yeah, eleven thousand five hundred ish. Yeah, a uh, yeah,
1: a, a whole solid wrestling show attendance more. <laughs> Not even solid, like good. A good. good yeah, I mean. We've seen great shows that are only attended by, like, 6,000 people.
0: It's true. But we are in Philadelphia.
2: Boy, are we ever.
0: So Shane, did you do what you do?
2: Well, I did do what I do. Yes, we are in Philly. And you know how much I love when we go to Philly, especially when it's not an ECW show, because then I have to try and find something Philadelphia-related because I've used all of the Philadelphia-related stuff for ECW that I could think of and had to do stuff inspired by those shows, but I wanted to, you know, try and reclaim my roots and find something that is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you know, popular, born and bred. What I found, technically Matt sent it to me a long time ago and I kind of forgot about it and then all of a sudden it just, like, popped up on my phone and it's like, oh yeah, this. I've made what is known as, uh, it's from a place called Chickies and Pete's. It is their famous crab fries. Coincidentally, there are no crabs involved with this crab fry, there is some crab seasoning. It's pretty simple stuff. Chickies and Pete's is, a, uh, as it says on here, enjoy craft beer, delicious seafood, and pub grub at our world famous crab fries at the best Philadelphia sports bar, Chickies and Pete's simple dish here. It's crinkle cut fries. We uh, used Michael's air fryer. Got them all nice and golden and crispy. Hit them with some Old Bay seasonings. I thought I put enough Old Bay seasoning on there but we had to doctor it up a little bit more afterwards because there just wasn't enough of the... Uh... there was some old but there wasn't enough Bay.
1: Yeah. Can, can you use too much Old Bay?
2: I don't think so. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> but yeah it's crinkle cut fries. Season them with Old Bay seasonings, and then it has a really simple cheese sauce that uh, it's just American cheese and milk melted together until it's all nice and smooth and creamy. It's the white American cheese, not the yellow American cheese. I'm sure the yellow American cheese would be good, but it wouldn't have the contrast on the plate as well. It'd just be like golden on top of golden. Yeah, super simple. Fries, cheese sauce, Old Bay seasoning for that nice kick flavor. Thank God for celery seed. Yes, celery seed, celery root, celery in general. Gimme, gimme. But I'm I'm very curious to go to a a Chickies and Peets at some point down the line. If I if they're still in existence by the time I ever make it to Philadelphia, one of these days we're going to have to go to Philadelphia. We're going to have to do a live show there, and we're just going to go and hit all these places.
1: Live from Kensington Avenue. No.
2: Live from Chickies and Peets. <laughs> from...
1: Own. We're selling out
0: the 2300 Arena. <laughs> Whatever those... Cheese yeah, I don't know where, the cat, are I don't where
1: it is, but I know Kensington is probably not a place where... It's, it's under a freeway. Area. I know that much. Okay. <laughs> so are most of the people... That's where most of the people on Kensington Avenue sleep. Under the freeway? <laughs>
2: yeah. Either that or, you know, just wherever they pass out. <laughs> yeah. Chickies and Pete's. I'm sure the fries are better from a place that specializes in making them. Not bad for a first-timer, but... Uh, I think I'm missing the greasy effect of it all.
1: Yeah, the air fryer. You know, we saved a couple
2: calories, but this yeah, isn't this isn't the kind of cheese. meal you eat. Like
1: being so calorie good. conscious. No,
2: <laughs> it needs a an ice cold beverage that's not watered or watered down. Be good with the beer. Be good with some sort of a a crafted cocktail. But well, we're being healthy, I guess, on this this round. We air fried our fries, so yeah. "Quote unquote healthier,"
1: yeah, save you know, 120 calories yeah. or
2: whatever. But then again, we smothered them in cheese sauce made of American cheese and milk, so I don't know how many calories yeah, we actually save. Making my bones <laughs>
0: stronger. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as our show, Charlize Theron would have her first speaking role in two days in a valley. Come out the next week. Y'all are going to have to tell me what the hell this movie is. Never heard of it. You've never seen... You would love Two Days in a Valley. Is it fucked up? I mean, Harvey Keitel basically plays the same kind of character that he played in Reservoir Dogs.
1: Oh, okay. But and not not as messed up as no. his character in uh, Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> <to> <laughs> oh, shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very much a, like, inter... Like, there's... Five or six stories going on that um. are, end up interweaving all together. Has Terry Hatcher, Jeff Daniels, Danny Aiello.
1: Oh, sounds like a fun cast. And, what,
0: and I was—I
1: almost asked what year it was. It's obviously 1996. <laughs> it's, it's, so never mind.
2: And see, it's one I remember seeing it on the shelves at Blockbuster, but I never—I never took it home.
1: Is it one of those movies that's kind of like culty, like a Red Rock, Red Rock West or something? Or it's just like um, I mean, it takes place in a small town. I feel it's just like kind of the a model story. It,
0: I think it's a good movie yeah. now but's I, awesome. I, I do feel like it probably gets its most notoriety because it is Charlize's first speaking role, and she also gets naked in it. Oh. And that's probably the reason most people think of this movie. but like I said, I do find it to be It's very, an entertaining movie to be good.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the cast, Charlize, James Spader, Jeff Daniels, oh, Danny Aiello, Terry Hatcher, Eric Stoltz, Michael J. White, Marsha Mason, Glenn Headley, Keith and Robert Carradine,
1: Hell yeah, dude. Louise Fletcher. Sounds interesting, yeah. uh,
0: you know. the. Um, it's not quite Pulp Fiction, but that was kind of what it was going for. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's very much a 90s reaction to... Pulp Fiction. That's why they got yeah. the money. They're like, oh, this, maybe, maybe, the yeah, maybe a story is like, this can be profitable. That's cool. It sounds neat. Um, it's a hell of a cast. I'm trying to think of, like, Charlie's
2: was 20 years old.
1: I'm trying to think of, like, Charlie's Thera movies, and I'm like, well, you mean the star of the blockbuster Aeon Flux? <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road, of course. Monster. Uh, Monster is the first one that came to mind when I saw her name. I was like, oh.
2: Devil's Advocate.
1: I'm a big fan of Tully. Oh, I haven't seen Tully. I remember mm-hmm. you telling me about that when it came out. You enjoyed it.
0: Young adult or young yeah. adult? That's by the same person who did Tully. Yeah. And then she kind of like Jason Reitman. She, she,
1: okay. She, she moved into like an act being an action lady.
2: Yeah, Atomic Blonde. She's now in the Fast movies. Oh, really? She's a part of the Fast franchise she's part now. Part of the Fast
1: franchise.
0: I mean, uh, J- Aeon was that like kind of now her she's first action role? Part of the Marvel uh, universe as well. Is she? Yeah, she was uh, Clea in Doctor Strange, the yeah. newest Doctor Strange movie. Right, I did, right I at did see, the very end. I did see that one, but I
1: for, forgive me for not remembering. Italian that movie. She was oh, in yeah. Yeah, 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 the one with the Mini
0: Coopers. Mm-hmm.
2: She had a the, the Mini Young. Cooper commercial. A yeah, storyline arc. I did
0: see Mighty Yo Jung in the Arrest theater, but I, I had no madness. idea who she was in She's actually in a movie that we'll talk about, I believe, in a couple weeks. In a couple weeks, in that thing you do. She has a very, very small. role. Oh, that's now. right.
1: She does. Yeah, I can't picture her in it, but, you know, i will save my, that thing we you do. That thing,
0: this thing we do. Uh, for <laughs> when we get
2: to that film. Yeah, see, that one I'll be able to talk nonstop.
0: I would say Anna Flux is, well, Italian Job, if you want to count it as an action. Yeah, but, like, as far movie. as her doing,
1: like, actual, like, stunts and punching things and whatnot, uh, like, Italian Jobs is a. Uh, a reindeer Games movie I've always uh, heard
2: was great and I've never seen. Is it good? I've never actually seen the whole thing. That's I remember a, Watching part of it back when I was at Blockbuster. That's an Affleck joint, right? So another one oh, of yeah. my
0: favorite roles uh, was Arrested Development. Yep, season three. That's what i saying.
2: Yeah, she plays a MRF. I do remember watching that show, but it's been uh, quite yeah. a while. Today we would probably call it an MCF of mentally challenged female. When <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> the
0: She's done lots of roles that
2: are she became varied. a whole lot more than I thought she was going to be yeah. when she very first I mean, started.
0: When I first saw her, I was like, Oh, she's hot, she got naked, cool. <laughs> yeah.
2: I saw her as oh it's a new Ashley Judd, okay. But then she's
0: gone on to have a much better career than Ashley yes. Judd. Yeah. Uh, I mean I think she's probably one of the top five female actresses. Mm-hmm. In Hollywood, right now. Well, she was also in the best action movie,
1: uh, maybe of at least the last 10, 20 years. Probably,
2: Are we talking Mad Max. Yeah, but, uh, okay, I mean, come on, just making on, sure, on. yeah, as you were saying, some other ones like, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Hey on Flux, hey on Flux is not the
1: best action movie no, in the definitely last 20 not. Years. Definitely not. I do think it's better than people give it credit for, wasn't that, like, but you know.
2: Cartoon on MTV at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: okay. I was a huge fan of the cartoon. I saw the movie in the theater and I was like, I don't know if that was a good Aeon Flux movie, but it was a fun sci fi movie. <laughs> it's kind of like. Alita Battle Angel. Another movie I like. <laughs> that, like yeah, that I'm like, oh, it's a bummer that this thing failed because it's set up for a sequel that will probably never get. <laughs> It'll never come out. <laughs> <laughs> just a bummer. I but like. It is a super fun movie that yeah. the
0: people just. Because I think of the look of it. Yeah, it's a little much. Just never gave gave it a chance. Yeah, and I don't,
1: I can't blame them. But you know, I like the comic as well. The comic is great up until the point where the guy doesn't know what to do with the story anymore. But like the stuff that they covered in the movie is the good stuff. And then yeah. like obviously the second movie is the good stuff. They probably would have cut out the last chunk of it. That's kind of like, what are we doing here? But there's a great thing in that thing to bring it back to wrestling. In Elite Battle Angel, there's a male character whose name is Figure Four, which is obviously a, refli- a wrestling thing. I think he might be, if he's not a robot, he's at least an American character, and his name is Figure Four, and I always got a kick out of that.
0: Well, let's talk some wrestling. Oh, story. right. We get highlights cutting back and forth between Mankind and Shawn Michaels, with the narrator telling us to pray for the Heartbreak Kid if he can't stop the madness of Foley. Followed by Todd Pettengill speaking about the theater of the mind as we switch to highlights of Undertaker and Gold Dust, with the Golden One exposing the fears of his opponents and battering their egos. But can the dead man overcome betrayal and lower the final curtain on Gold Dust? Can Sean continue living his dream or will he awaken in mankind's nightmare before seeing a nightmare of a logo? With a skull wearing Foley's mask.
1: I love that nightmare of a logo. It's so memorable. Like, I saw it and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is obviously from this show." It's so it's so bad, it's good. And it just says. I
0: mean, they basically kind of reuse it for whenever he, with the smiley face wearing Foley's mask. Yeah, they get the skull to Austin and. (laughs) And and
1: and Foley, you know, goes face and gets the smiley mask. Yeah.
0: Vince McMahon then welcomes us to the show, and he's joined by Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect. Hey! And JR predicts we will see mind, body, and soul games, with Perfect asking what he means. But we get no answer as we're headed to our first match. (laughs) Justin Hawk Bradshaw with Uncle Zebekiah versus Savio Vega in a Caribbean strap match. Could it be any other kind of match? Nope. Probably not with Savio.
1: <laughs> so My favorite Hawk, kind of match. Sorry.
0: So as Hawk makes his way into the ring, Kevin Kelly interviews Savio in the back, who's upset at what just happened on the free-for-all. And what had happened is... What happened is, was... What had happened was... Uh, Bradshaw had attacked him after Vega had a match with Marty Jannetty, and then complained that he wasn't booked on the pay-per-view. So Savio calls Hawk a stinky cowboy, but if he wants a match, he's got one. Promising to whip Bradshaw's butt before staring awkwardly at the camera.
2: Yep, staring awkwardly at it. Because I just had to say, I'm going to whip your butt. And <laughs> sound like I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> no, man,
0: no man says butt when they're angry. Nope. So as Vega hits the ring, Hawk attacks him, whipping him around before allowing the ref to finally attach the strap.
1: It is a nice way for Bradshaw to show up, like, on a pay-per-view as a heel. Savio comes in hot and then just gets fucking whipped before they even put the straps on him. So, it's booked well so far.
2: Bradshaw being Bradshaw before he's even Bradshaw.
0: And Bradshaw continues to stomp away on Savio, knocking him out to the floor, then choking him around the ring post. But Vega retaliates by pulling Hawk multiple times... Into the post. ECW. ECW. The fans see
1: brutality. And they know what it means to them.
0: And Savio starts to whip Bradshaw when a drunk fan spits beer in his face. What? Holy shit. It's Sandman! Can you believe it? Whoa. I know. I wasn't ready for it. No. Paul Heyman and Tommy Dreamer are also sitting there in the front row with him. As Vince explains, it must be some local promotion trying to make a name for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Security comes over to deal with the ECW guys as our competitors return to the ring, where Hawk gets the three corners before Vega is able to nail a back suplex to stop the count.
1: And as I had just said, that they were bringing Bradshaw in and making him look like a strong heel. They immediately distracted as the crowd is now just paying attention to the ECW-ness of all of this, as opposed to the match.
2: Yep. I mean...
0: Can I you blame know. him? If I
2: was going to say, I'm lie, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, for
0: sure. It's a hell of a surprise. Savio uses the strap across the back of Bradshaw before touching three corners as well. He goes for the fourth, but Hawk is able to yank him down to the mat. Vega then hits a pair of clotheslines, a spinning heel kick, and goes back to touching corners. With Bradshaw yanking him down once more as he leaps towards the fourth corner and Hawk fires up with a big boot and a lariat. He starts to touch corners, while Savio trails behind him doing the same, only for them to play tug-of-war as they reach the fourth corner, with Bradshaw pulling Vega into it for the win. Oh,
1: what a rush. I mean, pretty solid finish for that match. One of like the three finishes you can do for this kind of match. Mm-hmm. You know, I it was, was like, oh, like, he didn't
0: see him do it. Like, this is the same finish that they did for Austin and Vega. Dope. What like <laughs> so you two months ago?
1: Yeah, it's like what else do you do with this kind of match to make, it, make it interesting? True. But
0: like eh. a dominant victory by Bradshaw. That's what you do.
1: Yeah, he just power bombs him in the middle of the ring and just touches, touches touches all four. And... Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be cool. Boop, 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 I'd, be, boop. I'd be totally fine with that, as opposed to seeing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yep.
0: McMahon then sends us to a video about Jim Cornette and Jose Lothario with Corny mocking Jose for being old, saying they didn't have history when Lothario was in school and his social security number is one, (laughs) followed by that he taught Jonah how to fish. Jim also claims that Vader trained him before seeing lowlights of Cornette facing a jobber because he has trouble with them until the Mastodon attacks. Jose then counters the mocking by saying, Corny has a big mouth, and he's gonna shut it.
2: Kick his ass, Jose.
0: So we go to our second match. Jim Cornette versus Jose Lothario. And as Jim's coming out, Vince says there's been an incident in the locker room area. So we go backstage to see Savio Vega being attacked by... Is that Razor Ramon and Diesel?
2: It looks like them. It's the Dime
0: Store versions. As the cameraman gets closer, our mystery men escape out a door, with JR. sounding smug on commentary, saying, "I told you so," while McMahon calls it a ratings ploy. So the story behind this is that Ross had promised that he was going to have those guys return, but gorilla Monsoon had said that they were under contract to another organization. Only for Jr. to double down on his claim, making Jr. look a fool. No, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> but we also have a fun side note because of this: Hall and Nash hadn't officially signed their contracts with WCW yet. Damn. <laughs> and this angle spooked Eric Bischoff enough that he increased their offer and had them sign on the spot. I mean, that's that's
2: a ballsy move to go five months with these two big ass dudes on a handshake agreement, oh, right. whatever the hell they had. I mean, especially it's... after they've already pulled over the champion from the women's champion from the company and, you know, had her do what she did on TV. I'm, I'm surprised he left that much faith in them that they were just going to be all good up until this moment here.
1: That's what happens when non-wrestling people try to do wrestling. <laughs> Background in in, mm. in wrestling or... You can't trust a wrestler as far as you can throw him. I'm pretty sure Bischoff couldn't throw anybody on the roster.
0: Nope. (laughs) So Corney takes the mic and he calls Jose a legend. And he taught Shawn Michaels everything he knows. But he's old and broken down. And Jim gives him the chance to turn tail and run. Or he will beat his brains out. But Lothario turns it down and makes his way into the ring, And Cornette tries jumping Jose as he removes his jacket. But Lothario responds with right hands and chops, causing Jim to flop around and beg off. Jose would then pull him out of the corner before smashing his head into the turnbuckle several times, before delivering a pair of right hands for the pin and, and the win. win.
2: Cool, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Jose is now undefeated in the WWF. <laughs>
0: Vincent sends us to the superstar line, where the finalists for the Intercontinental title are on the phones. Mark Merrow's fired up, Sonny's animated, while Farouk looks bored out of his mind.
1: Yeah, but Sonny's making the most of this small amount uh, of time. She's just serving looks directly into the camera,
0: (laughs) whereas Sable is
1: just looking down uh, about as bored as Farouk.
0: McMahon asks Perfect for his predictions with him saying that the man has all of the assets to be a champion. But Farouk will win it all. And we go back to the arena and Brian Pillman comes to the ring. And he takes a mic. No One. music, which is great.
1: I love, I love a no music heel.
0: While Vince gives us footage of Bret Hart calling the Loose Cannon and Owen Hart liars. And so there was a story here that Brian had promised that the hitman would appear at mind games. So Steve Austin issued a challenge, but Brett hadn't quite decided on his future yet. Mm. And then back to live action, Pilbin begins calling Philadelphia a sewer and a cesspool, saying it's filled with drug abuse, battered women, and welfare recipients. And I literally thought, and that's just at the 2300 arena. (laughs) I'm
2: like, hey now. Yes, he's not there anymore.
0: The Loose Cannon continues that he wants to bring some class. So he introduces Owen Hart, who comes out and says, You got me, instead of Brett. Before claiming the hitman forgot about his commitment. Because he's going senile.
1: At the age of 38. Yes.
0: <laughs> Owen continues by saying that Brett must be scared. But not of them. But of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Stone Cold makes his way out, saying that the Hitman left the WWF when he arrived, claiming that Brett is the slimy substance that runs out the south end of a chicken. Better him than me. Austin then continues by saying, If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you'd have my exact opinion of Bret Hart. Nice. And promises to beat his ass if he ever comes back. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so.
1: He does does say Austin 316 as well. It's, uh, you know.
0: Pillman then chimes in with Philadelphia sucks because I said so. (laughs) Before Vince introduces a video about Mark Henry touring Philadelphia. So so cute. He visits the Liberty Bell and a statue of George Washington. Pets a horse (laughs) with McMahon saying he's bigger than a horse. He's he two. Two of him
1: make a horse for sure. The uh, he's as big as a little horse. <laughs> he's one little Sebastian. Oh. The uh, I love Mark Henry. Just like, they're like, all right, go stand next to that thing. And uh, But there's a, like, he, like, leans over and, like, touches the Liberty Bell, just, like, puts his hand on it. <laughs> it's, I need a, a gift for that. I would have so
0: loved, loved the next five minutes worth of footage when security, like, runs and jumps you because you're not <laughs> supposed to touch the Liberty <laughs> yeah, Bell. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, there's giant ropes. He's, like,
1: leaning, just, like, so far in to touch it, and he just, like, caresses it. Right. It's so funny. Don't worry, I'm wearing
2: red, white, and blue. Uh
1: huh. It reminded me of my favorite movie our favorite scene from the movie hook where the little fat kid like for some reason like they're having a robin williams is having like a heart to heart with the kids or doing some kind of speech or whatever and it like cuts is cut into the kids faces and uh the little fat kid the one that does the roll thing i don't know his name but he he just like for some reason just puts his hand on his face and just like runs his finger down his face. It's really awkward. I don't know why they would have kept it. It has nothing to do It's just like the kid didn't know what he was doing. And that's how Mark Henry felt. Like, just like, he's like, oh, I guess, well, I guess I'll guess i touch the bell. <laughs> Instead of just like, you know, cross your arms, lean back at it, and look at it in appreciation or something. Yes. Smile Americanly.
0: Uh, yeah. We then go to our third match. Owen Hart and the British Bulldog versus the smoking guns of Bart and Billy Gunn with Sonny. For the WWF Tag Team Championships.
1: Sonny got top billing over the guns. Sonny <laughs> and the smoking guns. I was like, goddamn.
0: So, the story behind this match was that davy Boy and Owen had faced each other in the IC title tournament with Sonny on commentary as she was scouting for potential clients. Her tone would change when Bulldog would land in her lap, calling him a pervert for trying to look up her skirt. I think you need to direct that to the cameraman. Perhaps. (laughs) Vince sends it back to Doc Hendricks, where he gives an update on Cornette as a physician attends to him. And we see Clarence Mason speaking to Jim, promising legal action, and that all he needs to do is sign some papers. Which, corny does. Of course he does. Now back in the arena, the champs arrive, with Billy flirting with Sonny. While Bart is urging them to hurry up. Sunny then unfurls a giant portrait of herself before the match. But someone has defaced it.
1: Have to give her a big old butt,
0: some devil horns, a beard. An know. afro, glasses, a beard on her. Yeah, standard fare. While also writing a special note for Davy Boy and Hart. So I wonder who did it. Hmm. And everyone gets a good laugh out of it while Sonny is very distraught. She she
1: throws a fit like a uh, eight-year-old girl.
0: That's right. They're that larger uh, than a
1: size picture of herself. It's my party, and I'll cry if
0: I want to. Clarence Mason then arrives to ringside, which distracts Owen, but he's still able to catch Billy with arm drags and a crossbody. And we get back-and-forth action between the two teams until Bulldog nails Bart with a dropkick, followed by Hart chop-blocking the gun's knee. I mean... There's a pop for a chop pot. I felt good about that. Owen and Davy Boy focus on the leg with strikes, holds, and a Boston Crab before Bulldog hits a stalling suplex and a leg drop for a two count, followed by a heart-spinning toehold and an insiguri for a near fall. Davy Boy's whip is reversed, sending him to the ropes, where Billy grabs him from the apron, causing the Bulldog to be distracted, allowing Bart to clothesline him from behind. And Billy would drag Davy Boy down to the floor to continue the punishment, stomping on him before ramming him into the still steps. After rolling the bulldog back in, Billy leaps off the back of Bart into a corner splash of Davy Boy, followed by the guns hitting the sidewinder. Billy makes the cover, but Mason distracts the ref, allowing Hart to fly in with an axe handle. And the bulldog rolls over on top for the pin! And no, Billy kicks out. It's only with a great sell, but you know, she's good at her job. The guns go back on the attack with knee drops and body slams before Bart goes for a running power slam, only for Davy Boy to escape and push Bart into Billy. And Billy shoves Bart right back into the Bulldog's arms to deliver a running power slam for the pin. And, and the win. win. As Owen nails a spinning heel kick to Billy. To stop him from breaking up the pin.
1: Tisk tisk.
0: And new post match, Sunny is furious, taking the mic and yelling at the guns that she has wasted her time and money on them, calling them cowboy wannabes, before saying, "You're
1: fired,
0: fired, fired."
1: Yeah, but I love what she says. I give him my time, my money, and points to Billy, and she says everything to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's nice to have new champions. Who doesn't want to see more of the Heart and Bulldog team? And it's been brewing for Sonny to break up with the guns, but I would have liked to see the champions with the
2: belts in their hands.
1: We've got to run angles here. Yeah. Hopefully they'll hold them for a little bit.
2: But hey, you know, Davey Boy's finally a, a tag champ.
1: Yeah. with Owen and it's a good one you like to you know you want to see a, a big guy and a little guy in the tag team not for every tag team but this is a good one yep
0: we go to the bowels of the building where Kevin Kelly is with Mankind and Paul Bearer and Kevin asks Paul if he will lead fully to the title with Bearer responding that Kelly hit the nail on the head before blaming the creatures of the night for what he did to the Undertaker followed by blaming the click ...for what will happen to Shawn Michaels. Kevin then turns to Mankind, who's cradling the urn... ...to ask what's in store for the Heartbreak Kid. And the answer is misery. Foley continues by saying he wants them to feel the pain he felt his whole life. And it's his destiny to hear Sean's gurgled screams and ruptured liver. It's violent.
1: And after all of that... Oh, Foley. We'll have a nice day.
0: We then go to our fourth match... Jerry, the King Lawler, versus the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. And the king has a mic, doing his bad jokes as he makes his way to the ring. But Vince is talking over him, sending us the footage from earlier in the day where Lawler threw coffee in Mark's face and then slapped him on the free-for-all before the show. So Lawler's just trying to get grab all the heat.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like, it's okay for him to do that for you know make man to talk over him cutting a promo on philly because we just saw that like 12 minutes ago where pillman did it and it's like okay it works in the ring but it's not necessary for yeah you know the coffee splash is a a bigger deal yeah at this point for this match than him cutting a promo on philly similar to every promo we've ever seen him cut on a town he's good at it but if you've seen one you've seen most of them
0: yep So the two men trade headlocks and hammerlocks to begin, until Henry shoves the king into a corner multiple times. Lawler then attempts to pick Mark up, only for him to fail. So Henry turns it into a press slam. The king then attempts shoulder blocks, which fail as well, before charging in, only for Mark to toss him out of the ring and into the guardrail. Back in the ring, Lawler grabs a foreign object out of his tights and nails several loaded punches. Today's Henry. But Mark eventually shakes them off to nail multiple knees and chops before lifting the king up into a Canadian backbreaker for the submission and, and the, the win.
2: win. I'm confused, though. Why is he using a Canadian backbreaker? Why isn't his finishing move something American? Because he's an Olympic athlete wearing red, white, and blue. The Liberty. I mean, Bell. they just call it a backbreaker.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 'Cause I mean it's it's a torture act, but over but like,
0: yeah. you know, over the shoulder instead of across the neck or whatever. Post match, Leaf Cassidy runs down to the ring to attack Henry, but gets tossed back out quickly. Marty Janetti does the same and gets tossed out as well. Before Hunter Hurst Helmsley runs down to attack, with Mark press slamming him over the ropes onto the new rockers. And Lawler checks on his henchmen as Henry celebrates in the ring with Pyro going off. I mean,
1: they did a, like, they make Mark Henry look strong, even though he can't really do a whole lot yet, but he can lift a motherfucker and throw him, so Lawler... have him do that. Yeah, Lawler took a great bump out to the uh, steel, looked awesome, and then, it's like, sure, Genetti or whatever, but it's like having him lift a larger man, like Triple H, and just dump him over, give him the fireworks, you know, build the guy up. Is a solid use of his time, considering that he's not Kurt Angle.
2: And this answers the question from the previous WWF show: of Are the New Rockers heels? Apparently, they are. Yeah. They were. They were getting a little friendly with the. Was it the smoking guns. Yeah. Yeah. And oh the yeah, they match. kind of
1: teamed up in there.
2: And then it also shows the, the low depths of. Hunter's punishment for yep. the uh, the curtain call because you're getting punked out to Marty Gennetti. <laughs> pretty
1: yeah. uh, pretty awesome. Marty gets
2: thrown over, but he's the one that's responsible for catching you. So, yeah, that's uh, harsh, and I'm I'm happy to to know that Hunter came a long way from those low low moments. Absolutely, it's for the best
1: because we, we we, that we know who fun. wins King of the Ring. I'm not going to spoil it here, but if you know, you know.
0: So, McMahon plugs our next pay-per-view, Buried Alive, where we'll see Mankind versus Undertaker in the WWF's first unsanctioned match ever. And JR wonders why it's unsanctioned, with Vince saying it's kind of obvious because of the danger. Because the whole idea is that you kill somebody,
1: you bury them alive, that's not... That's not a stipulation that really holds up in the concept of sports. It's frowned upon in
2: everyday life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Don't try this at home. And
1: probably like
0: 50% of the world's like greatest fear being buried alive. We then get to a video package with highlights of Undertaker and Goldust. As Todd Pettengill calls the dead man an enigma, and few had the temerity to challenge taker in mind games, but the golden one and Foley embrace the bizarre. The psyche is their playground, as clips of mankind's attacks and bearers' betrayal are shown, with Todd saying there must be a winner tonight, and it must be by pinfall.
1: So no DQ, but must yeah, it must be a winner by pinfall.
0: We then go to our fifth match, Gold Dust, with Marlena. Versus the Undertaker in a final curtain match. And the dead man doesn't have his coat and hat to take off. He's so, here for business. So he goes yeah. right to on the attack as he enters the ring. Whipping the Golden One from corner to corner before doing a choke lift and a leg drop for a two count. Gold dust rolls out to regroup, but Taker lifts him back up to the apron. Only for the Golden One to counter by hot shotting the Undertaker across the top rope.
1: I love when Marlena's manager style, where she just sits there, no-sells everything. When Goldust immediately gets kicked out to the floor, he looks over to her and she just gives him a dirty look. Like, get back in there and do better, but without saying a word.
2: I did not call cut.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The dead man recovers, but telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Goldust to hit a swinging neckbreaker, only for Taker to rise and deliver a big boot and a vertical suplex for a near fall followed by Old School and tossing the Golden One out to the floor. Gold Dust is then given a bag by Marlena and proceeds to throw Gold Dust into the Undertaker's eyes, Mm -hmm. causing the dead man to swing wildly, because, you know, obviously he can't see. The Golden One then capitalizes with eye pokes and chokes to take Taker down to the floor, where the attack keeps up by slamming the Undertaker's head into the announce table. Back in the ring, Goldust continues the punishment with clotheslines and right hands, until the dead man rallies with a back suplex, but another eye rake allows the golden one to stay in control. Goldust locks on a claw, but Taker begins to fire up with right hands and chokes, only for Goldust to counter with a power slam for a two count. The undertaker ducks a clothesline and comes back off the ropes with a jumping clothesline of his own, before sending the golden one to a corner, and the dead man charges in, only to get a big boot, allowing Goldust to climb up to the top rope. But Taker grabs him by the throat to chokeslam him off the top, (sighs) followed by delivering a tombstone pile driver for the pin! And And the win!
1: win. I love that moment where he just lifts, just like, grabs Marlena and just lifts her up. It's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? (laughs) just puts her right back down.
0: We go to the back, Kevin Kelly's there with Shawn Michaels. And Kevin mentions Mankind's comments, with the heartbreak kid responding that this is the first time he's nervous defending the title, as he is wrestling the wackiest cat in the WWF.
2: Probably the wackiest cat. I'm trying to remember, did Foley ever use that description about himself as dude love? Crazy as a bag full of cats.
1: He might have. Just a wacky cat, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's really funny. <laughs> well, one thing in that Goldust match, they said histrionics like a million times about Goldust, and I was like, I truly don't know what that word means, but I, like, in context, get the idea. It's like, I guess he's, like, theatrical. Histrionics? Yeah, but every time he did something, like, kind of sexual towards the Undertaker is when they used it, so I was like, I, I, I don't think that that's what it means. Made up.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
2: It makes me think. But good. histrionics, I'm like... Technotronics.
1: Yeah. Like, did he just, like, pull out the, the source that day? And it was like,
0: Pee-wee Herman, it's like, the
1: word of the day is histrionics. <laughs> <laughs> I make like a high, make a
0: Kelly then calls Foley unorthodox, bringing up how Bearer had used a casket to intimidate Sean. But Michaels responds that it's really politically correct to call mankind unorthodox, before making fun of himself. Saying he doesn't have a lot going on upstairs. But that means that the mind games just won't work on him.
1: Ah. <laughs> it's really a really weird angle for him to take. He's like, I'm kinda of dumb. You can't really mess with me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like yeah, it's weird, because Shawn Michaels is like he's way too confident, verbose, I mean, into himself. Yeah, and yeah, but he's like, ugh. I might be hot, but
2: like that statement, kind of dumb. That statement would have fit in so much better. Like when he makes his return and has that cross-eyed, looks like he just got (laughs) kicked by a horse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: the uh, it's a weird promo that lacks the Shawn Michaels energy that we've seen for years, and the charisma that he like you assume he naturally has, but it's the light switches off at the moment. And I was like, maybe, maybe this is. A good thing going into this match maybe he's uh t- took too many benzos the day before i don't know if i wasn't i couldn't tell if
2: it was like purposeful or if he was just kind of out of it but are we approaching the smile sean lost his smile moment okay uh, i, I was thinking admit, this, so. is, this
1: is uh if unless this like this is the uh, ground zero
0: for that <laughs> there's no smile in this promo at all he's very close to losing a smile So we go to our sixth match, Mankind with Paul Bearer versus the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario for the WWF Championship. And Druids wheel out a casket to the ring with Paul following behind them before opening it to reveal Foley inside. Sneaky. And Young Lady must have really loved Shawn's Playgirl spread that had just come out because she has a sign calling him the... Man of the Year. Mankind then attacks with elbows, right hands, and a back body drop to start, before taking them both out to the floor with a clothesline. And Foley lifts the mats, only for the heartbreak kid to kick them back into Mankind's face. It's a fun spot. Followed by stomping on him. And Sean keeps up the attack with a top rope crossbody, leaping off the steps with a bulldog, before throwing Foley back in the ring to deliver a top rope double axe handle. Mankind recovers, but Michaels catches his kick, spinning him around and ducking a clothesline attempt, followed by nailing some quick jabs and a running clothesline.
1: This thing is starting hot, and it's looking like the like some of the best Cactus Match
2: WCW matches where they're really doing it, folks. Yeah, I, I remember thinking as the match was first getting started that this feels like something that actually happened like modern day. These guys are wrestling... There's, there's a good no, point. no real old school feel to it. It's you could have taken that match and put it on today's programming and nobody would have thought anything different because they just, yeah. they've inspired. The two of them have inspired so many of the modern day wrestlers that have mimicked their matches over the years and it's, it's great.
1: And it feels, I mean, it's so much faster than him wrestling Taker. I feel like we haven't really seen this version of. McFoley Foley in the WWF quite yet because he's been tied up with like Taker for so long and Taker, Taker works slower. It's part of the character there. and everything. But Shawn Michaels is fast and we all know Mick Foley can, can be fast and he will eat concrete yep. as he did just a couple seconds into this match. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Artwork kid with a body slam and he hits a flying elbow drop before he begins to tune up the band. But Foley escapes to the floor to regroup with the urn. Just holding it and shaking back and forth
2: like it's a teddy bear, holding it upside down even. <laughs> <'Cause, you> know, <laughs> it's got that reverse power.
0: Uh-huh. The two men trade strikes in a corner with Mankind whipping Sean to an opposite corner, where he leaps up and looks to leap off. But Foley isn't there. So Michaels drops down and the two men trade some stiff punches. And supposedly this was the heartbreak kid poking fun of himself for his tirade at SummerSlam with Vader.
2: Oh, Okay.
0: Cause like it looked like he got mad again, like pissed off, and was throwing a tantrum again. Yeah. But he was like, "Ha ha! I'm gonna do this again to."
2: Yeah. So people won't think I was an asshole that yeah. one time. Yeah. I just think it's part of my spiel. Yeah. The um, we've also got
1: something that, you know, every once in a while you get something, something new as far as camera work goes, like a referee. We got a turnbuckle cam, that just and throughout. His match, and it's just like, oh, nothing like a uh, low quality, poorly framed <laughs> wrestling shot <laughs> just thrown in. Gives it that authentic feel. Yeah, it doesn't add much. That's but all I mean, I'm
2: they're also in Philly, so those Philly people are used to those yeah. kind of angles. Yeah, that, that camera <laughs> looks
1: like an ECW camera. <laughs> they're Yeah, they borrowed it from Paul.
0: Mankind locks on a choke and looks to apply the claw, only for Sean to fight back with the fight spilling out to the floor and Foley moves the Spanish announce table to set it up, when Michaels would recover and dive over it on top of Mankind. The heartbreak kid would continue by slamming Foley's head into the casket and snap suplexing him into the still steps. Ouch. They head back into the ring where Shaw nails a chop block to the leg, sending Mankind rolling out on top of the casket, or Michaels just rams the leg atop the wood as well. The heartbreak kid keeps up the attack on the leg with stomps a dragon screw leg whip and a figure four only for foley to turn it over causing sean to release the hold michaels then drop kicks the leg and applies a single leg crab with mankind crawling his way to the ropes to break the hold now foley charges in only for the heartbreak kid to flip over into a sunset flip for a two count he goes for a hurricanrana but Mankind counters into a hotshot across the ropes for both men to be down.
1: I love that this has a a grudge match vibe, but they still, a few minutes
0: in, start to work a limb. Foley takes a pin from Bear and begins to stab his leg to get feeling back in it, before going back to work with chokes, a running knee to the head, and several face plants.
1: Pretty... Upsetting thing to see, maybe one of the more brutal things we've seen in WWF in a long time. Just like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't it was the the flat end of a pen or whatever, but it still it still doesn't doesn't look like the Vince McMahon wrestling of you know 1995, 95, <laughs> yeah, or 94.
0: <clears throat> Sean slows the momentum with a back suplex and right hands. But Mankind reverses a whip, sending Michaels into a corner for a flare flip. But HBK gets caught up in a tree of woe, so Foley dives in with elbows to the head. Mankind also nails a leg drop before nailing a pair of kicks that sends Sean out to the floor. With Foley going for another running knee, but Michaels avoids sending Mankind into the steps. The Heartbreak Kid drop toe holds Foley into the steel. Where the two men attempt suplexes on the apron, with mankind finally getting Sean over the ropes onto the apron. Now Foley charges in with Michael diving back into the ring, sending mankind running straight into the ring post. Posted. HBK with a leaping elbow and a power slam before tossing Foley to the ropes, where he gets hung up between them. Uh, It always looks so rough. Yes.
1: It's like, ah, dude, I mean, yeah.
2: It looks rough, but he does that so fucking seamless. Yeah. Like, Uh, you blink and you miss the the entire connecting part of it, because, I mean, he just, he makes it look effortless.
1: It's also, like, it works really well with him, because Foley is not a body guy. He is kind of a potato of a man. So it just, the weight makes it look more brutal than, let's say, if Sean or Billy Gunn did that spot, it's like, I have a, I believe that Billy Gunn could just pull that out and pop his head out. Cause I mean, look at the guy.
0: As Sean comes over, Bankine locks on the mandible claw while still in the ropes. Pretty, pretty cool move. Yeah. <laughs> the ref is finally able to get the ropes to untwist, which drops fully down to the floor with Michaels following after only to get the mandible claw locked back on. But the Heartbreak Kid is able to counter by pulling Mankind into a guardrail, which knocks Hugo Savinovich, one of the Spanish announced team, out of his chair. Adios, mio! Sean grabs one of the chairs and lifts it, just as Foley was throwing a punch. He then uses it across the back of Mankind as well, all while the ref is being distracted by Paul Bear. Michaels then drags Foley into the ring and starts to work the claw hand, stomping and snapping away on it, trying to break the fingers.
1: And they zoom in on it, and they look like real stomps. It's Mm -hmm. nice. I also love that he bit his hand before he rolled it back in the ring. (laughs) It's like, all right, we're biting. Yeah, do you watch too many Hogan matches,
0: Sean? The Heartbreak Kid then charges in, only to be back body dropped out to the floor, where Mankind follows out with a leaping elbow drop off the apron and a swinging neckbreaker on the concrete. Oof. As Sean enters the ring, Foley delivers a guillotine leg drop and a double-arm DDT for the pin, and no, Michaels kicks out. Mankind hits a pulling pile driver for multiple near falls, Funk style, and starts pulling his hair out in frustration <sighs> before rolling to the floor to toss chairs into the ring. ECW. Foley then lifts the casket lid trying to roll the heartbreak kid into it, but Sean begins to fire back with right hands and a leaping forearm. A kip up and hits a body slam. Michaels then heads up top for a crossbody that gets a two count. Goes back to the top, only for mankind to fall into the ropes, causing HBK to crouch himself. Foley then climbs up and nails a back superplex. Out, onto the announce table. But who gets the better of it? And they make their way back to the ring with Mankind climbing the ropes with a chair while Bearer distracts the ref. Sean then leaps off one of the chairs that was thrown into the ring with sweet chin music to the chair that Foley was holding, knocking Mankind down to the apron. Michaels then drags Foley in to make a cover when Vader would arrive and attack the Heartbreak Kid, causing the disqualification. Sean would respond with a leaping forearm to send the mastodon back to the floor. But then Bearer would enter the ring, clocking Michaels with an urn shot to the head. And the ref didn't see it. Vader starts to climb back in when Sid would arrive to brawl down the aisle. While Mankind would awake and lock on the mandible claw. Foley asks Paul to open the casket lid, but when he does... The Undertaker is inside. Holy shit. The dead man goes after mankind, throwing him over the ropes and stalking Foley and Bearer to the back. Howard Finkel then announces Michaels as the winner before Vince sings his praises. Plugs buried alive, followed by some replays as we fade to black. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts? Of mind games.
1: I mean, this last match is so good, and the DQ makes sense. All the people that are involved in the schmas make sense, and it's one of those ones where it's not a disappointing DQ for me personally. Of course, the Undertaker helps with that a lot, and we don't want we don't want mankind to look like a geek right now uh he's been on a tear he just had this great match and how else do you set up buried alive i mean this is uh great booking and god damn was it nice to see mick foley in a ring with sean michaels and they really went for it as far as like grudge match or like brawl stuff goes this is kind of as good as it gets yep no overuse of weapons, no overuse of table, they didn't use the table immediately, and when it did get used Sean turned it over and landed on top and the camera work was good enough with the replay, where you know both guys obviously took a bump for it, but fully got the worst of it I felt real good about that match.
2: Kind of the same same feeling here The the main event definitely was the heart and soul and what was the other thing that jr said heart mind and soul yes it was the heart mind and soul of the the show i mean the the overall show it's it's easily watchable there's a couple matches that you know if they weren't on there it wouldn't break my heart but it also didn't drag things down either and then the main event came along and like i said the two of them it felt like i was watching something from today that just happened to be recorded Almost thirty years ago, uh, just because of the the work rate, the the chemistry between the two of them, and yeah, the like
1: creativity Mm -hmm. and uh, like creativity, but everything like made sense. It didn't feel like they were putting on a show. It felt like they were having a fight. Another thing, talked about how everybody that was there was everybody that showed up at the end. There was a connection. They had Lothario and. Jim Cornette, earlier, had a match, and I was like, Phew, okay, whatever. But the reason for that is that is not here for Sean in this match, and Jim Cornette's not there for Bulldog and Owen in the other match, so it makes sense in the psychology, is the word I'm looking for, of this show and the matches that come after it. Even if it is this feels like this throwaway thing, it still serves a purpose. Which I thought uh, was neat. Because I was like, why are we watching this? And I'm like, the show's over. I'm like, oh, I absolutely get it.
0: Sounds a lot like we're all completely on the same page. Because I literally wrote, the main event takes the show to an above average show. Even if I kind of hate the finish of the main event. But I understand why. Because it keeps both men strong for their future feuds.
1: Yeah, and like, Mankind is so his character is so good he can you can literally have a one-off match with him and anybody and people will want to see it and the fact that he's only doing it with top guys or mid-top guys like Goldust who have been booked strong and uh, booked in highlight spots it's like well what are we going to do it's like well Mankind and Sean we (laughs) there's no way we can't make this work right now like and Keep them away from just going straight back to the Taker well and Taker coming out of the casket. There's no way you're going to forget it. Like, this guy's been popping up on each other for quite a while, and we're finally going to get a blow off to it. And who wouldn't want to see it after, you know, both guys were featured on this pay per view? Why would you not buy the next one? That would be crazy, crazy to not purchase to that next show if you bought this one.
0: Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? You're there. You're there. All right, fuck you. I think it's time we mark it up. So what are some of the best moments on this show? And we just
1: glowed <laughs> about the last match. I would say the last match, top from beginning to the end. You know, I understand if you don't like the finish, but I'm not mad at it. I I like it. I didn't want to see those guys get pinned. And like I said, it didn't send... It wasn't a, a Sid, the Sid finish. No, <laughs> you know, <it> wasn't <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of the best way to to do this. The,
2: you got the end of the you know big push, kind of like it was for Vader at Summerslam. Where, as far as I know, Sean doesn't go and say he never wants to have a match with Foley again.
0: No, actually, both of them consider this one of their favorite, if not their best matches. I mean, I agree. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think I could watch this. If it just on a if Sunday it, afternoon, no problem. If it wasn't for the finish, oh. I would definitely say shortlist. Yep. But the finish just takes it down just a notch. It's hard to shortlist a match that doesn't have a, a finish. P- a finish.
1: Right. But at the very least, this would be a, uh honorable mention.
2: Yeah. Yes, One of their best moments.
0: Pillman and Austin segment yeah. in yeah. the ring. The, sure. Those interviews were fun.
1: Mark Henry petting a horse. <laughs> Mark Henry is uh, so cute. He just looks like such a nice guy. It's like a guy, no matter how big he is, like you can't make him a heel. Sonny,
2: such a nice smile. Sunny on the uh, the superstar line.
1: I mean, Sonny's been doing great work for quite a while, and here she's doing maybe some of the best stuff she's done in the WWF, character-wise.
2: It's good to see
0: Owen and... ECW guys. Yeah. That was a fun moment. Wasn't expecting it.
2: Yeah. I wasn't either, no. I know going to be it, on my surprises.
1: For, yeah, for sure.
2: It was one of the things, like, I remember hearing about that at some point, but... So I remember him doing it on a Raw, but... Oh, yeah. I'd never... I, this was another one of those shows that I'd never watched this one specifically, so...
0: So actually, I think the Raw, the day after, is in Philadelphia as well, and Taz shows up. Oh, okay. On it, which I think we may see footage of next week. Yeah, how about most disappointing? I mean, we kind of mentioned Sean's yeah the, backstage promo. His backstage promo, kind of, it was just weird.
1: Yeah, it was weird. He's like, ah, I'm and, an idiot, so you know he can't really play mind games with me because I don't don't understand things. It's like, okay, man.
0: The strap match had the same finish as the one just a couple months ago. Yeah, it was kind of a yeah, bummer a strap that strap match. They
1: made Bradshaw look like a a big heel, and then like immediately. Took the wind out of the sails with the ECW thing. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's not like Bradshaw's about to be Stone Cold Steve Austin or anything. So, whatever. I'm not mad at it. Lethario and Cornette make sense when after when they after you get through the show. But you're like, what are we doing here? I mean, Corny does a decent promo, but I mean, they've been not...
0: they've been building that up for a while with Cornette yeah. calling Lothario <laughs> names and stuff mm-hmm. for a while. So I get it, they just probably were like, let's throw this five second thing on here so that we don't have to waste, yeah. we, we can give more time to our main event. Exactly,
1: basically. it also helps keep keep those guys away from the ring, because we don't need a Lothario in that grudge match thing. There's already so much going on, like, what is he going to do? There's no reason for him to be out there, and this is an easy way to explain why he wouldn't be.
0: Jerry Lawler had a match, guys. <laughs> that's, that's always disappointing, just because... He's out there to make other people look good. So, I mean, that's...
1: Yeah. Love Lawler, but, you know, this isn't Memphis wrestling Lawler. This is Lawler just serving his purpose as opposed to trying to draw a house.
2: Yeah. This one was definitely a a better ending than the Jerry Warrior, whatever the fuck that thing was.
1: Yeah, I mean, they made Mark
0: look like a big, strong boy. They made him look as good as he could possibly probably be at this point yeah he's, yeah for sure he he's, Might he's, get, he's still just learning
1: yeah it's probably a little too early but considering w- what it was it's probably the best best thing that they could have done yeah. right now but they could have waited a few months too how
0: about best performer i mean it's one of the last two
1: guys yeah it's, it's mick foley or sean i mean they can share the trophy yep I can't. I, it's like I don't know. I can't say one guy did a better job than the other. They were they basically worked as one person in this match. It was, I mean, I'd
0: probably have to say Foley just because he did keep up with Sean. Yeah,
1: and he is not in the same physical condition.
0: No. And also, I
1: mean, we all we know, McFoley laid most of this out. It was probably collaborative, but those were McFoley's spots that. Yeah, absolutely. Stomping the hand, the concrete, the, drop kicking the pad, and then stomping it so fun
0: and how about most surprising i mean you kind of mentioned the ecw already
2: Yes, that was going to be my my most surprising i'm trying to think if there's anything else that stood out at me i
0: wasn't i guess i was surprised that sunny fired the guns after they lost like i figured that that was probably still something that they kept kept her around for a little bit longer yeah she's all about that gold i mean
1: yeah once that belt
0: the belt leaves, but, but I, wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't.
1: I wasn't sure the belt was going to change hands here, but I was happy that it did.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely, the tag team division definitely needed some new something. Yeah, I had. I have
1: had way too much Godwins, and I've had enough guns at this point. It's not. I don't think it got to the point where it's too too much guns. But we needed something that wasn't guns and Godwins.
0: I mean, the th- about the guns is they—they are a talented team. Yeah, totally. But it became way too much about Sonny. Yeah, and yeah. not about them. Yep. So just—and they also became one of those that
2: they won or lost the belts typically when we weren't watching. Kind of like the the Harlem Heat. Well, they lost situation. them so many
0: times because they were hurt. Yeah. That they like just building up momentum. Yeah. It, just never got to a point where like we could care about the guns themselves. No shade, but I'm excited for Owen and Bulldog. Absolutely. I have no idea
1: how long I'll hold them, but I'd like to see them wrestle tag matches with uh, everybody but the Godwins.
2: Making their way to the ring.
0: It's trivia time. Hmm. This week the category is what happened when. What happened, when? So you get five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. I will give you the show, and you will give me the main event of that show. Okay. The show in question is Super Brawl 4. Pre Hogan.
2: Like, I'm trying to picture the damn anything from it. The logo, <laughs>
1: probably purple.
2: Like, part of me, I want to say I'm picturing Super Brawl 3. I think I remember that one. So what the hell is Super Brawl 4? The Brawl to follow them all. <laughs> no, that's Ball Brawl. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I'll happily go to...
2: Let's multiple it. Alright,
0: your options are... Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus Sting in a White Castle of Fear strap match. Okay. Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus the Nature Boy Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus the Nature Boy Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Or Vader with Harley Race versus the Nature Boy Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship in a Thunder Cage match with the boss as a special guest referee.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with... B the first Vader and Flair match that you named. That's what I was thinking.
0: That is incorrect.
2: Damn. Okay. Well shit. Is the Which boss a, in that one it, then? It's all you, brother. I know yeah. it wasn't the White Castle of Fear, because that was Super Bowl three. I know it wasn't It's
1: funny, my thought was that
2: the White Castle of Fear was a havoc because it feels like
1: a Havoc thing. But I mean either way I didn't think it was that yeah, match. No, because no, Havoc
2: was spin the wheel, make the deal. Oh um, spin. All right, I'm trying to remember my other options. It's not White Castle of Fear, it's not B.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not Flair. Steamboat. C.
0: Steamboat versus Flair, and then the last one was Vader and Flair a cage. With, in the Thunder Cage. With yeah, the boss. I'm gonna go for D because I don't think it was Steamboat, and that is correct. Ah, uh, th- yes. I've had a feeling it was Vader. I remember and remember the boss. Vader involved. and uh, yeah, we all try and forget that the boss was involved. Yep. Oh, Ray
1: Because then they go to
0: the Boss versus Vader in a match the next, next pay per view. Two big guys, and it's like
2: Guardian Angel after that, and they have to do something else or something, right? Yeah. It's... Yeah. Gag.
0: Next week
2: bum, bum, bum.
0: Ultimate Jeopardy 1996.
2: What the hell happened to Double Jeopardy? What is
0: ECW?
2: Is there going to be a ultimate surprise? Is somebody going to make a debut?
1: Maybe. Okay. You never
0: know at DCW. <laughs> People show up all the time at yeah. that
2: place. I mean, I'd, I'd just throw a random thing out there about somebody running down the ring all coked out, but that could or just be anybody Maybe DCW. someone
0: won't be there, so there'll be an extra fun surprise. Hmm. Interesting. But music from this week's show is the Mind Games theme song, and Shawn Michaels won our main event, so we play Sexy Boy. By Jimmy Hart and J.J. Maguire. And if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Or wherever you find your podcasts at. Michael, you have a deal for people?
1: Oh, I do. Somewhere. Um, if you leave a five-star review, and I guess just DM the Twitter with a screenshot uh, of your review, we will send you... A logo magnet. It is a square, four by four inch magnet with the logo of our podcast in the fashion of nitro. nitro. Yeah, it's good. Who doesn't like a magnet? So yeah, five stars or no
2: stars.
0: Be a pal. Wow.
2: No stars, no magnet.
0: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any questions, comments, concern,
2: you ever been to Philly? What the fuck do you eat there? Yeah, we're we're going to Philly again. So uh, give me some some ideas. Shout out some. Some, some something, food, beverage, places to visit, places to order from.
1: Do you know? He, do you know Paul Heyman's favorite meal?
2: Yes, exactly. Or yeah, that could be anything. I know. Or
1: is he not? <laughs> or, is, or is he like? Or is he not picky because he doesn't look it?
2: Either way, shoot us a message. Go go on onto the the Twitters and slide into our DMs at us if you if you feel like it yeah we we enjoy having more and more people shout out to us on on the the twitter sphere because twitter's become a very angry place so give us some i mean it was angry before but man it's just gotten ridiculous these last year or so but yeah, shout out to us. Let, let us know what the hell I should make or bring or some sort of cocktail or whatever from the, the Philly area. Or if you've ever watched Ultimate Jeopardy and there's something on it that inspired you that I should make for the show, let's, yeah,
0: let me know. But you can do those things at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H-I-S you x we'll talk to you next week
2: later